Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. Please make sure your seatbelt is securely fastened, your tray table is in an upright and locked position, and that you are ready to get weird and think different. Please prepare for takeoff. August 5th, and we are back with another episode of Destination Different. Before I get into anything with this week, I want to just say something. I, I love doing this show. I love it. I've said it to the last few guests I've had on, but I get a legitimate sense of joy, and it's like a high when I am recording these interviews I don't know what it is I am talking to people that are smart that are funny that are driven that are clearly trying to you know make something of themselves and it is just an absolute pleasure getting the chance to to talk to them and and kind of ask them some questions and let them tell their stories I was looking at, this is now, this will be our 39th episode of Destination Different, which is mind-blowing in itself to me, Um, but just the whole process of making this thing, I am, I'm I'm giddy, I'm I'm just appreciative of getting the chance to to do this, and it's it's one of the best decisions I've ever made to to start this thing, and and interview different, weird, strange people who are... uh, being creative and being entrepreneurial and I couldn't couldn't be more excited about what the next 39 episodes look like but just want to get that out of the way off the top because it's been on my mind and I wanted to wanted to put it out there and so this week we've got an unbelievable guest on the show uh the the connection to this guest I think is something something special as well so I put a little little juju out into the internet world, I said, hey, you know what the hardest part about hosting a podcast is? Finding people to talk to on your podcast. I solicited some uh, some responses from my loyal, albeit small, Twitter community and said, hey, tag somebody who you think would be a good fit. Sure enough, I got a couple answers back. Bada bing, bada boom. Within a couple of days... I was on the phone with one of them, and that would be this week's guest. Her name is Isil Kim, and she is a Korean-born, Boston-raised creator, entrepreneur, podcaster, author. She fits all the, all, checks all the boxes. In reality, you know, she calls herself a storyteller, and that's probably the most apt name to to put out there for her. Isil is, is currently living in Trevino, Italy with her husband and her little pup. And she's decided to take some time to really explore all sorts of different creative outlets. And so she's treating this year kind of in, in Italy where she's living with her husband as a, as a sabbatical where she is pushing on all these different creative projects. So 
the list is long, so, so stay with me here. Esau has begun writing a book by the name of Business Love that compares you know, principles learned in the world of business to uh, techniques that she's brought into her relationship. And she's been working on that now. It's about you know, halfway done, she says, and, and she's kind of continuing to push on that and is ready to start uh, publishing her first book. She is also the host of a podcast called Serendipity Stories, where, as you can imagine, she tells the stories of uh, different people who experience serendipitous moments in their life that completely changed the course of, of where they were going and what they're doing today. I'd like to think that me putting out a tweet into the world and, and meeting with Esau is a, is a pretty serendipitous moment. Um, but she's got the podcast that she is also hosting. They just finished season one of the podcast, six episodes. You can check that out everywhere that, that podcasts are found. She is also working on a photojournalism project, which I would describe as like the humans of New York of Treviso, Italy. And if you haven't heard of Treviso, it is a very uh, conservative, kind of old school Italian city uh, Isla says she certainly looks different uh, when she walks the streets of, of Treviso compared to everybody else. But she has started this project as a way to connect with people in the city and, and bring people together. And it's just another way that she is, you know, flexing her creative muscles. She's also been on, she's done a TEDx talk. She's been on uh, episodes of reality television. I mean, the girl has, has truly, truly, truly done it all. Um, so it was a fascinating conversation to get to sit down with Isla and talk about how she is looking at all these different creative paths and which ones have interested her most. What is she learning from all of this experimenting? And uh, just, you know, she is incredibly bright. Uh, I mean, I won't say where she went to, to college, but it's, it's one, of those, one of those schools over in, in Cambridge, Massachusetts. So you know that she's got a, a brain on her. Um, but just an awesome conversation. I was so thankful for the, for the time and the chance to get to talk to her. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed making it because Isola is fascinating and all of these projects that she's working on are incredible in their own different ways. So with that, I will turn it over to the interview. This week's episode of Destination Different with author, podcaster, entrepreneur, just general amazing storyteller, Esau Kim. I hope you enjoy. I've always kind of taken a different path and hate the status quo. And I get to live outside of the status quo every day because I am basically a stranger in a foreign land here in Italy. Wow. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty good, pretty good summation. So from what I can gather, you have basically and currently are exploring every single storytelling mechanism possible. You've, you know, done a TEDx talk. You have, you're writing a book. You're now hosting a podcast. You are 
working on a photojournalism project. Like, I feel like you've hit every single one of the different storytelling mechanisms. Like, have you always been that way where you love just telling stories? And now why have you chosen these, these different avenues that you've started to go down? Oh my gosh. So when I was a kid, we have to start with like two-year-old Esau. Yeah. I used to have imaginary friends. Um, and literally some people like put their dolls there. No, I legit had like full stories, full characters with character flaws and everything at two years old. And I would like do tea parties. And I would get in fights with them. And like everybody thought it was cute, <laughs> you know, back in the 80s. And um, and this story was just told. As, uh, and I don't even know if some parts of it are true mm. anymore. You know how legends go. Uh, and I was always a kid that reflected a lot. I wrote in diaries. I would um, read a lot. And so I think my imagination was really big. Uh, I also grew up in Guam, which is an island in the Pacific Ocean, in the middle of nothing. And it wasn't like there was too much to do. There's only so many times you could chase after coconut crabs, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, I was always a dreamer. Um, but being a first generation Asian American, and we eventually moved to Maryland, and then I went to school in Boston, I uh, was always incentivized to use the left side of my brain, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, you're Asian, you must be good at math. So like, let's get you into like SAT camps and to do math or, um, you know, just to do well in school academically. And there was all this pressure and expectation. And so I think the creative part of my brain atrophied. Um, but I was never satisfied to be on this uh, linear career track. So anytime I had a sabbatical or anytime I had a little bit of space, I would always pursue something creative. And since moving to Italy, I consciously decided to take a full sabbatical um, for a whole year to explore story storytelling, not because that's necessarily what I want to do for the rest of my life, but because it was a muscle that... I kind of let go of and I wanted to build again. And so how has that been for you kind of making that transition from very left brain oriented from what I understand you, you know, you did some work in like urban planning and you've done a lot of research in the, in the past in some of your career work. Like how has that been transitioning from that left side brain world to now fully you're going all in on like the creative storytelling piece of things. Yeah, so I used to say I communicated in bullet points, and I was re I'm really good at writing, making powerpoints, <laughs> writing memos, synthesizing things, and kind of uh, talking about the main points and your recommendations. Like there was always a formula when you talk in business. Mm -hmm. um, and what has been the most challenging part about moving into sort of a I'm not even a freelancer because I'm not looking for work, but yeah. <laughs> just I'm a storyteller. Right? I'm a content creator. Is that there are no real deadlines. There are no expectations. Who is to decide what a successful podcast or a book looks like, mm -hmm. right? Um, so you have to like, it's a very heavy and, uh, and uh, you realize how important it is for yourself to figure that what success means to you and to internalize that. Uh, and then it really fucks with your identity because it, it's like such a clutch when you say, oh, I was the vice president of right. and operations for an innovation district. And now people ask me what I am. And I'm like, I'm, and for a while, I didn't know how to answer. I'm like, oh, well, I'm on a sabbatical, but I was 
I did this before. Exactly. And it's like, wow, I'm still carrying that like baggage, that like expired business card. Right. Mm. And so, um, I had to step into new identities and had to believe in it and had to be proud of it. And I had to feel not like an imposter because I'm new at this. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, what did I consider a real creative? Oh, is it someone that works at an agency that has a title that somebody else gave them and it valid it's validated on LinkedIn or is it just like what I believe, um, who, who I am? And that was such a hard process, not the actual content creation part, but, but owning it and, um, and claiming it for my own identity. So what would you put on that business card today, now, present day? I wouldn't hand out business cards okay, <laughs> to begin with. I'll just, I, I think that's another thing that ch I changed about myself. Again, when you hand someone a business card, you're kind of like removing yourself a little bit and kind of creating a buffer, right? Like, but here I just choose to tell people my story and I like literally grab their phones. I'm like, okay, follow this, follow this, follow that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and why do I need a business card? Like, who cares? Like also I live in a small town. I'm like, Oh, I live like behind the supermarket. So just ring me up whenever you're in town, right. like you're, you're in the city center. Uh, and so it's just a different mentality here and a different mentality I've come to, to appreciate, which is, F business cards, man. I, I think now in my LinkedIn, um, I, I put like founder of this like startup consultancy. I still do on the side, but yeah. in the day, if I introduce myself, I'll, I'd own it and say I'm a full time storyteller and content creator. I love it. I want I want that job someday. <laughs> um, so maybe I'll start because you've got a lot of projects that you're working on, and I want to make sure that we have time to kind of go through each one, but. This book project that you're working on is fascinating to me. So Business Love, it is, you probably will explain it better than I can, but it's from what I can gather, it's like the idea of business concepts, applying them to relationships. Can you tell me a little bit more about like where that idea for a book came from and <laughs> how that process of actually like writing a book is going? Sure. So that was actually the first project I embarked on uh, because I sent an email. I, my background, I mean, I have so many backgrounds, but I started in consumer research in, uh, in corporate America. And it was always like, oh, get agile, like quick feedback from your users and people you care about. So at uh, 30 people whose opinions I care about, and I told them, look, I'm taking a sabbatical. Here are my five ideas on what I would like to accomplish and where I'd like to go, what interests you the most? And uh, there was, you know, an idea of preparing myself to, you know, uh, apply for an MBA who mm -hmm. like, you know, who cares about MBAs? Uh, maybe I get a PhD in studying innovation districts because I have like an affinity for understand. That's like at the intersection of uh, urban planning, which is what I majored in, but also business, right? Yeah. Um, but the idea that got the most like likes was my book on uh, the intersection of business and personal relationships. And this is because people who know me know my wedding story and my relationship with my husband. Uh, so my husband is Italian, like not I was going to say, I hope you're now going to spill the guts on that. <laughs> he's not a Guido. He doesn't GTL, but, uh, but he's actually from Verona, the city of love of Romeo and Juliet. And we met while working uh, in corporate America in Boston, uh, was it six, seven years ago? And um, I was never in like a 
serious relationship before, or at mm -hmm. least nothing that was mature. And so I meet this guy and I'm like, oh my God, like I want it to work. Like this is a guy I want to marry, but I want to F it up. What do I do? And it's not like my parents are not great role models, right? They're like mm -hmm. first, they're like Korean Americans who like don't talk to each other and like bury their feelings. And not only that, but we're dealing with a completely different culture because he's not American like I am. He's Italian. What does that right. mean? Um, and then it was like, I read books, but like, you know, books are about like how to get the guy. They don't talk about how to like remain with the guy and how to grow together. Yeah. And so I did what I always did, which is create frameworks for myself. And I drew on information that I had, which was really my experiences and my career. So like, let's take a pause and think about this, right? We go to school at like 14, 16 years, if you include college, and we learn arithmetic. We learn calculus. We learn the history of World War II, all really important. But when do we learn how to be a good friend to someone else? When do we learn how to be a good partner? When do we learn what to do when your partner had a bad day and they're being cranky, right? Like, yeah. Or how do you navigate fighting about like who's going to walk the dog at midnight when he clearly doesn't want to go out and it's raining, yeah. right? <laughs> so conflict, problem solving, and I was like, wait, isn't that what I do at work? Isn't it like, what, like, isn't that's what my we're, day, we're yeah, trying to do? Job. Teamwork. Uh, and didn't we just do a, a, a training on that? Oh, don't I know how to communicate? And like, I'm, I'm like in advertising and in consumer mm -hmm. research, I'm like, I know how to talk to people. So how can I talk to that person and convince them of a sale, but I can't convince my husband to decide, you know, like where, like to go on vacation where I want to go. I was like, oh, well, let me try out some of those things, maybe change the language a little bit, change yeah. the framework so that it's not super transactional and start this way. And everything kicked off because at our wedding on our rooftop where our friend Ben Kopp married us, uh, I went up there and like I said, I hate the status quo. And I said, I don't have vows prepared because I don't believe in making uh, promises based on who I am today. Because what if in like 10 years I change, right? And those promises will be nulled, nullified. So I was like, instead, let me explain the reasons why I'm marrying you. And these principles I don't think will change. And I kid you not, I had a PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> that you pulled up at your wedding? <laughs> I had my friend like print out 30 copies and she handed out these sheets um, to everyone. It was just one page, but it was this framework that I had created for marriage. And it's a pyramid. And the pyramid goes at the bottom criteria is, do you love each other? And if you do, great. Like, but in and of itself is um, an insufficient uh, condition. Because think about like all your ex-girlfriends, right? Like there are some people you actually loved, but you weren't just the right fit, right? And that's because I think there's a second um, criteria on top of it, which is, do you fulfill each other's needs? And that goes into, can you communicate your needs? Do you know yourself well enough to communicate your needs? And are you the right person to fulfill those needs? Mm -hmm. Like I remember my ex-boyfriend was in private equity and my huge need was spending time together, but he was working two in the morning. So it's nobody's fault, but he just couldn't meet the needs that I needed. And maybe he needed space, right? And I didn't right. want to give him that. Um, and then the last top part of the pyramid is, do we help each other grow? And so this this is a framework and and the actual like image of the pyramid i took from a brand equity pyramid right um 
And I'm sure maybe in sociology, they have something similar, but my background was in business. So I was like, oh, wow. And it works. Because when we fight, I try to diagnose, oh, okay, is it like, because like we don't love each other or because there's something in the need or when things get stale, I'm like, oh, we haven't like fulfilled the top part of like mm -hmm. our pyramid. And so I started thinking about what are other things that are, uh, that could be metaphors or analogies. So when you get married, right, it's kind of like a merger between two families. Mm -hmm. I mean, <laughs> that's not how Shakespeare talks about Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> but, I mean, in a way it's a failed merger. It's, true. it's very true. Uh, and so it's like, what do you do when you acquire like new in-laws that you don't like and what is what do the business people do i mean okay you can't fire them yeah. but what are some tactics that you could do to have better synergies when you have two different cultures that come together which like in our case i'm a korean american family plus an italian family right so that's like chapter six and then one of the chapters about communication which learns a lot uh, or brings in a lot of concepts from marketing which i'm sure you're familiar mm -hmm. with the idea of uh, the what the message has to be like on point and clear um, the why so like wh what's the what's the reason bef uh, behind um, the content you want to send and then the last piece is receptivity which I think a lot of people fail to understand people like when you get bombarded by ads when you just want to watch something you're not receptive to it right yeah but if you watch a beer commercial while watching a soccer game you might be more receptive same principles apply in a relationship. If my husband is tired and he tells me he's tired, but I'm like, oh, but let's go for a walk with our dog. Let's go for a walk. Like he's not going to be receptive. But if I change his receptivity or wait until he's back to a neutral state, then it can work. So in my case, if I've been fed, if I have pizza, I will be much more like receptive <laughs> to any, any requests. Exactly. So it, it has analogies and case studies from the business world and they kind of translate that lingo into how you can apply it into relationships. And uh, it's been a fun project and I learned a lot about publishing and what not to do and how hard it is. Uh, so yeah, is the book, is the book out yet? Is the book complete? No. No. So I paused it because then I got excited about other storytelling project, <laughs> but also because it's a very, very lonely process of mm -hmm. all the storytelling projects you can do. Writing is the most isolating. And unless you have a really good network or a support group, um, it, I wouldn't do it when you like just moved to a new city and you know, you should spend that time to go out and explore and try to get yourself adjusted. Uh, I kind of did it like the completely wrong order. And so I took a pause on the book. I think I have like four out of the 10 chapters written though. Okay. So it's on, it's on its way. It will be released. Exactly. Yeah. I just need to fight a couple more times so I can <laughs> get more case studies for the book. <laughs> So does, does, I mean, before we jump off this topic, was your husband like, this is the most romantic thing I've ever seen this PowerPoint presentation of your vows? Did he just, did he just eat that up? Oh my God. So he, he was, was like, I'm marrying a crazy person. How did, what was the No. And here's the thing. Nobody was surprised. I would like pull off a stunt like this. Yeah. They all know me so well, but here, I'm so glad you asked because here's the <laughs> kicker. My, so I was done with my quote unquote vows, AKA PowerPoint presentation. Then it's my husband's turn. Right. And he's like, Oh, I didn't write vows. I'm going to sing you 
um, a song, an Italian song, and I too have a handout. <laughs> so <laughs> the handout of the lyrics written in Italian, translated into English words. And I just remember like half the audience chuckling, like, oh my God, they're so meant for each other, right? And the other half being like, I have never gotten so many handouts at a wedding in my life. Um, so we're just so different. He's the more romantic one. He likes to buy flowers and sing songs, you know, <laughs> at our wedding. And I'm like PowerPoints and I like ban flowers at our wedding because I was like, those are just dead plants. Like it doesn't make any sense. So we're just two polar opposites. So do you guys have your, you know, PowerPoint and song lyrics framed somewhere? I feel like the handout's got to be like, they've got to be up on the wall somewhere. <laughs> We do shit like that every week. So there's no point in framing that. Like the other day while I was like in the thick of writing this book, um, we got into like a huge fight. I don't even remember what. I was like, that's it. Like, let's use one of my exercises from my book. Let's see if this works. And it's like a written template of like, I'm upset because dot, dot, dot. And you got to fill it in. Mm -hmm. It was like literally a worksheet, you know? So I just come up with crazy stuff and he gets like just comes along for the journey and so yeah we would have to frame a lot of things <laughs> <laughs> have a wall full of posters well it keeps things interesting for sure and actually during the the quarantine so here in italy when i moved to treviso so treviso is a five kilometer like circumference walled city mm -hmm. five thousand people live in the city and i think sixty thousand around it and I was like, what a boring city. Nothing ever happens here. And of course, we were like one of the first like towns to get shut down because of the coronavirus. Yep. And here in Italy, you couldn't even go outside unless you were going to a supermarket. It was super strict. Mm -hmm. And so we're locked up together, like hating each other. I was like, okay, I got to save this marriage, right? Otherwise, like <laughs> I can't publish this book. So for the book, we'll do this. So every night we started a drawing competition and neither of us are good at drawing. But I tell you what, like employing creativity into your relationship can, like you talk about losing the spark and things being stale. You could do the most random things and do that. And actually the wall that is full is actually full of our art. All of your um, drawings, that's from awesome. From the <laughs> quarantine. <laughs> it's a good use of, I like that. It's a good use of, of your time. All right, so. We had way too much time. <laughs> It was nothing but time right now. That's the beauty of it. Exactly. Um, so maybe to kind of spin off that. So Treviso from, you've also now started this kind of photo journalism. I would describe it as like a human of New York esque, uh, you know, version of that, of that, but in, in Treviso. So what made you want to start that? Like, it seems like you're starting with a couple other, I don't know if they're locals or other friends. Um, but what was sort of the impetus behind getting that off the ground? So this is exactly a ripoff of Humans of New York, although I consider it like an homage, right? Because mm -hmm. I think it's such a great idea. And I'm in the camp of uh, respect and, and pay tribute to where the original idea comes from. But us, I think, um, emulating Humans of New York is, is sparking the movement, which I mm -hmm. think is all about connecting people. And so the origins of this was... Um, I came to Treviso and the reason why, when you asked me who I, who am I in the first 30 seconds, the reason why I started with the fact that I'm Korean American is because looking like this mm -hmm. Asian in a very conservative town where they're 99.9% .9 Italians and most of them are over the age of 60. When I say conservative, I mean really like the party 
uh, political party here that wins 90% of the votes is very similar to like Tea Party folks mm -hmm. uh, in America. It's a very like anti-immigrant stance and whatnot. And I would walk down the street and people would make me feel Asian by like the comments they would say on the street. Uh, whether it's microaggressions or full out like asking me stupid shit uh, and uh, and bother and harassing me and this is something that I never really experienced on the streets of Boston and because I knew also what my identity was too yeah. right like I wore all these like this elitist garb of like, oh, I graduated from MIT or like, oh, well, I know like I'm a VP. So like whatever. But here it bothered me a lot more because mm -hmm. my identity was so wrong. And I started noticing that I stopped looking at people in the eye when I was walking down the street. I was like, how sad is that? Um, that I'm afraid that they might say something back to me or I cared that much to like mm -hmm. change the way that like to, to experience my city where I'm living like that, I'm like, you know what? I'm not gonna wait um, for to make friends. I'm not gonna let all these negative experiences with strangers affect my view of a place that I want to be a part of. I'm gonna build my own community, and I'm not gonna wait ten years because it's also notoriously like a very closed um, social fabric, and yeah. so. Like you, if you know who you know, and you kind of stay in that circle. So the rich historic families, the novo rich, the um, middle class, and then mm -hmm. the immigrants all stay together. I was like, I don't believe in these like false dichotomies, these yeah. false um, narratives. And I wanted to control my own narrative of like my experiences here. So I was like, I want to do Humans of New York, but in mm -hmm. Treviso. So we called it Humans of Treviso. And again, because I felt really lonely in the book writing process, I was like, I want to get a partner too. And so I, uh, there's a guy, uh, Davide Ronfini, who operates the one co-working space in Treviso. But if you created something like that, I'm like, oh, okay, you do it he's because you want to meet community. people. Yeah. Exactly. And it turns out he's a photographer. And I'm like, oh, I'm a storyteller. You're a photographer. Let's do this. So, and then boom, serendipity. He's like, I wanted to do this too. And I'm like, well, great. Let's get on. And he's from one of these historic families. Like when everyone says his last name, they're like, oh, are you the son of the uh, ENT, Dr. Ronfini? He's like, yes, yes. And so like just opens a lot of doors. Um, so we started with some of his contacts, but then I started getting contacts on my own of like going up to a lady in the bar. I'm like, hi, my name is like Esau, although they call me Kim here because they can't say my first name. And um, I was like, I'm doing this project. Like, can we talk? And it's been such a great way to introduce myself and add value, right, to the conversation. That's also something I felt very self-conscious of. Like when you mm -hmm. work in an organization, you have a budget, like people come to you and you know, or maybe you have right. this network. And I was like, I have nothing to give. And now I feel like I have something to give, which is I am willing to listen to your story. I want to ask you questions about your life. And I would like to make you, I always say, I'm going to make famous. you famous <laughs> and the internet. And half these people don't even understand what the internet is because they're like over the age of 90. And, um, and yeah, so that's how we started. And we're at about 40 interviews. We do two or three per week. We just interviewed the mayor of Treviso, who loves the project. Amazing. And we're thinking about expanding it um, offline uh, because there's a lot of closed retail shops here in Treviso. And so we might print the photos of these folks and add their stories as a beautification project for store oh, closed cool. storefronts. 
um, and we're thinking about doing an exhibition. We just, yeah, we have the city support and we're I'm just really excited about it. It's the best part of my week. Just going into a stranger's house, they offer me coffee and I get to learn about their life in 20 minutes. Oh, and I get to practice my Italian too. So it's a- Yeah, how is your Italian? Uh, So I had a base of Spanish. I learned it for nine years. And so it wasn't that hard for me to pick up Italian. And I had learned even before we moved. So it's not bad, but I don't have- the Treviso accent. Uh, okay. <laughs> they make fun of me regardless, right? Like whether I'm Asian. You can't win. You just can't Because win. I have like a Roman accent because that's really where I practice my time. I'm like, ah, whatever, guys. Just give me a first second. Close enough. Exactly. <laughs> so have you gotten to the point now where you're like, you know, getting dirty looks from cranky old Italian men and you're saying, hey, can I, can I interview you for this, for this project? Have, have we reached that level of, of, of humans of Treviso yet? Sometimes, yeah. um, really, the people that are coming in, we, what, after we finish an interview, we ask for a nomination. Um, and so it's been kind of like a chain oh, cool. reaction. But I have definitely gone up to strangers. Uh, but when, but also, like, I'm not in the business of interviewing racists and giving them, like, a, a platform. Mm-hmm. And But what's beautiful is maybe I just had just finished an interview with someone and I love their story and I want to be their friend forever. Uh, and then something like this happens where usually call me uh, Chinese and they say really awful things. I, it doesn't sting as much because I'm like, I just made a new friend today. So mm-hmm. F you bye. Or if I'm feeling really testy, I don't take it anymore. My Italian and my, the, my knowledge of curse words have gotten much better. Yeah. So just, I just give it back to them times double. And they're like, how does this girl speak <laughs> Italian? And she's yelling mean things at me. Um, so I just, I think I've been able to tur- uh, turn the tides, right? And mm-hmm. just have way more positive experiences. So the negative just doesn't affect me anymore. I love it. And in those, in these interviews, you know, for like, from what my knowledge of Humans of New York, some of the stories are extremely personal, are extremely like really touching or moving. And, um, you know, what kind of questions are you prompting with these different interview guests? And what kind of stories, you know, have you been getting out of, out of the people that you are meeting? Oh my God. I mean, I think that's the beauty of being a storyteller. And, and some, most people are shy. They're like, oh, but I don't know if I'm interesting. I'm like, well, regardless of whether you think you're interesting or not, it's my job to bring it out to the light. And it's been so much, and we only have a short amount of time. So you got to go deep quick. And uh, that's what I do, you know, based on the little knowledge I have, I might be like, oh, so I hear you're one of like nine kids. Like, did you feel invisible? (laughs) You know, just kind of like throwing out bombs out there. And um, they have, every story has been really inspiring. There are like the, the mayor, for example, so political, like very politically correct answers. Like, I think the city of Treviso needs to, you know, focus on its tourism. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that for a brochure. But we ended it on a story where he talked about how he walks the Camino de Santiago, which is this historic, beautiful pilgrimage um, trail, like he, and he tries to do it every two years and how he feels when he goes on this walk, which is so mm-hmm. beautiful. It's very human, right? Yep. 
or people living through the um, World War II bombings that happened in Treviso and what that felt like, what it means to be a woman and being discriminated against in the workplace, uh, not as a woman, but as a mom. Um, We've touched on really uh, very topical Mm -hmm. issues, but also very human issues that it made me realize, oh, wow, we're, we're just all the same, you know? Like, I worried about that, too, in America. Um, but here you are facing the same things, maybe in a slightly different way. So it just makes me have way more empathy. And, yeah, it, it makes me, like, fall in love with Treviso because these are the people that have chosen to live here. It's amazing. Everybody needs to go follow Genti Di Treviso on Instagram. We'll, we'll get everybody getting over there. Um, so I want I do want to make sure that we get to ch- touch on your podcast as well, because we met very serendipitously. I put something out into the world saying, Hey, who would be an interesting person to talk to your, your name came up and here we are. And so your podcast is called serendipity stories and it is based on, from what I can gather people's experiences with serendipity, whether it's in love in work in just life in general. So Tell me a little bit about starting that podcast, where that idea of, you know, what was your love of serendipity, I guess, and what, what was the kind of reason why you wanted to take that angle with, with starting a podcast as a storytelling narrative? So it began because I was sick of writing my book, which was, as I, and I emphasize, it was a very lonely process. And I was like, okay, I, the theme of my sabbatical storytelling, what are, other, what are other mediums out there? And I'm like, oh, well, why don't I try podcasting? I think there's a lot that we can learn. And also, I think it's one of the purest forms of storytelling because you don't have images. You don't have uh, color. You don't have a little bit of music, but mm-hmm. not really. And it's just breaks it down to the elements of how good is the story and how good is the person's tone. Um, And yeah, maybe some sound engineering in the background. And I was really fascinated by uh, this medium of storytelling, which I think is still growing and growing and growing. Mm -hmm. I mean, in Italy, we still need a little bit of work because it's like, it's like radio on your phone. They're like, what? How can radio be on your phone? I'm like, oh gosh. Uh, so started, it started with the idea, okay, I want to do a podcast. Then you have to think about like, okay, like about what? And I knew I didn't want it to be just me talking about my life. Yeah. Um, cause I don't know who I am right now. Right. I'm just, uh, figuring it out, figuring it out, figuring it out. Uh, so I was like, well, and I also wanted to tell maybe other people's stories because the book was so personal about my Mm -hmm. relationship and I thought how interesting would it be to be a platform for other people's voices and which turned out to be great, uh, because I got to interview so many different people and, and connect with folks and engineer serendipity, right? It was an excuse. And I was like, oh, well, that's not a bad topic to have. And I was reflecting on all the significant moments in my life that have been turning points um, and realized, wow, if this hadn't happened in this exact way and I didn't meet this person and the weather wasn't that like that that day, like I Mm -hmm. might not have ended up in Italy. Right. And so the so and I think serendipity is something that happens to everyone. And it's a beautiful concept because 
Uh, we live in a very uncertain world, and yet humans really want to control their narrative mm -hmm. and their life. And, and despite our best efforts, sometimes life happens to us. And so I was like, well, what if we told stories about people, ordinary people who have extraordinary moments uh, and, and it would be something very relatable. And so that's what I uh, was looking for. And I found six really cool stories and really cool people to turn into podcast episodes. I love it. So you, are you kind of doing this like as a season? Like, are you going to break these up into different groups of time and, and will there be different topics based on you know, the season. So you did your six episodes and is that kind of season one of this show? Is that exactly. That right? okay. And we'll be um, finishing up season one very soon. And, and, and it's, it's a great season. Like we have people being hit by buses, which then makes them want to be a Hollywood actress. We have people who almost commit suicide and get saved at the last minute. And then you figure, and then you learn about what they do with their lives after that. We have the, an, um, a black woman who accidentally becomes mayor of an extremely rural town in Oklahoma. Uh, birthday surprises, love stories. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a great season. But here's the thing about going into creative work. People think that once you find a medium or you're kind of good at something or you, you put something out there, they try to put that identity on you. So all of a sudden I'm a podcaster and right. people are like, oh, so are you going to do more? Are you going to keep doing this? And I think nowadays, just like how people jump around in jobs, which I certainly have, I just saw it as an experiment. I don't think just because you do one thing that that's what your identity has to become. And it's funny. I, I've noticed how, how other people's insecurities about their own identities mm -hmm. Like try, they try to put it on you. And so I'm not sure if I'm going to do a season two. I might just see this as a beautiful process. I've gained a lot of serendipity from it. I think that's something I will be looking for and trying to maximize in my life. Yeah. But I mean, what's, who's to say that I should keep going with it? So I don't know. What has your, <clears throat> what has your process been like, like asking these questions and finding these guests? Because obviously it sounds like you know, they fit the mold nicely of, of the topic that you're going for, but was it you asking the right pointed questions to kind of pull those serendipitous moments out of them? Or did you know, oh, this person got hit by a bus. I want to talk to them because that's a fascinating story. Like how did that process go? I can tell you that every single person that we chose, so I talked to over 50 people and what we were looking for in podcasts, and I think you know this, is you have to, they have to be really great character and, and the fact that they have a really good story, uh, but they also have to be good for radio, right? Mm -hmm. Like some people who fall flat, they might have a good story, but it's like better as a blog or something. So that was a really hard criteria. Um, and then some folks were people that I already knew um, or met in passing, and I just felt the connection, um, which is with episode five, Michael Dixon was a keynote speaker at a conference. I'm like, I bet you have a great like serendipity yeah. story, like cool. Whereas episode one, Joanna Calafatis, the girl who gets hit by a bus, I actually have a serendipity story with her because I, so she's in South Africa when this bus hits her. I lived across, I was in the same study abroad program as her. I lived across the street as her and we used to walk to school together in the morning. But that morning I chose to play hooky and I didn't walk with her. So A, it could have been me. And B, like, 
I didn't even see it because I was playing hooky for so yeah. long. And so like, wow, like serendipities uh, on top of serendipities and, um, and other people I just met on the internet. And yeah, I would uh, ask them questions and I was looking for three things. One, do they have like this great background and a mm-hmm. series of serendipities? And if they can see a series of serendipities, they're going to, this is all going to like It'll make come sense, out. right? Yeah. Exactly. And the second thing I was looking for is like, do you have that one single moment, that like really weird moment that maybe like you wouldn't give a second thought to, but upon reflection, you're like, that was a big deal. Oh, wow. That was the linchpin and the starting point for all these other things that happened afterwards. And I wanted like the most random, most, uh, uh, not not only classic, but but really the most random things like oh a, a, a bird pooped on me and then I became mayor of Trivia, uh, mayor yeah. of uh, Geronimo, which is not what happened. There's no <laughs> bird involved, but but like there's a crumpled newspaper that was thrown around and then she picked it up and that's and that's why our season two guest Rafia wanted to become an astronaut because she read an article from a thrown away discarded newspaper. Uh-huh. Like crazy, right? Like who, who develops a dream from that kind of stuff? And so those were the kind of like sparks you're looking for. And the third piece was, did they reflect on it, that moment? And do they understand the significance of that moment to mm-hmm. how they arrived to where they are today? So that's, that's essentially what I asked. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah, no, no spoilers, no, but we'll, we'll get yeah. people to listen to the show as well. Um, so... I, I want to kind of ask you a little bit because you've clearly done a lot of different creative pursuits. You know, you've, you've explored a number of different storytelling mediums. Like I find, I've found for myself, I, I don't want to say I burnt myself out, but I was like stretching myself too thin. I was, you know, I was trying to write on a blog every day. I was trying to start a podcast. I was trying to make videos. I was trying to, you know, the list goes on and on. How have you felt with kind of balancing your time between all of these different creative pursuits? Because, you know, I, I've found, at least for me, it's been very important for me to like focus on one or two things and be like, those are my things. And it seems like you did a little bit with like, I'm the book is not for me right now. We're going to put a pause. But like, how have you balanced all of these, these different projects? I think it's a process. Like in the beginning, uh, I threw spaghetti at the wall, trying to see what stuck. And then it wasn't even the right spaghetti, right? Which is, by the way, a horrible metaphor and apologize to any Italians. <laughs> I, I imagine the me. Italians probably don't <laughs> like that metaphor. <laughs> like we wouldn't throw spaghetti. It would be fettuccine. What are you talking about? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's a process for sure. And it's a maddening process because you have imposter syndrome, right? Like, people know what they're supposed to do in their nine to five job. You have to create your own agenda. And then again, like how do you measure success for yourself? But really like other people are be like, Oh, so you only wrote, like you only did six episodes, you know, like, so yeah. the, you got to be okay with what you define as, as uh, your end goal. But I think it's, it's cool. As long as you think of it as an experiment, like, you can do a lot of things, but you have to arrive at a certain point when you start burning out or it's because you don't know the why. Mm-hmm. Why are you doing this? Is it so that you want to grow into an identity as a storyteller and a multimodal storyteller? Is it because you want to grow skill sets uh, or content expertise so that you prepare yourself for your next job? Is it because uh, you know you just – 
can't handle like saying yes all the time and you Mm -hmm. just need boundaries emotionally. And so I am at the point where I'm finishing my experimental phase and I learned a lot from podcasting and I learned a lot from writing. I'm I'm enjoying the heck out of Gentity Treviso, but I'm actually in August going on a digital detox and a sabbatical from my sabbatical, which is like the most- Very meta. Bougie (laughs) and elitist shit, I could say. And I apologize, but I'm going to own it because for me, it's the right thing to do because you can get so distracted about doing and my whole life philosophy or my life tension, um, my polarity, there's something called a polarity map I filled out. And so it's like your life is on a spectrum, right? And so what are these tensions that exist in your life? That's not necessarily bad, but what's going on for me, it's to do, which I'm really good at. I'm execution oriented. Mm-hmm. And, and the second is to be. And so I think uh, I need to train myself to be more. Uh, and before I move from my to be to to do end of the spectrum, I have to pass through the 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 middle and try to figure out why. So mm-hmm. why are you why are you transitioning from your meta cool state <laughs> of being to doing? And I don't have the answers for you, but I know that it's an important question to ask ourselves and to to give it the time and space to to come to fruition. Okay. I have to ask, but I and you might not have an answer for this, but is there one thing like, you know, you, I, I've done the same experimental thing, but and you've clearly experimented. Like, is there one medium that you have been, that stands out or that you love above the others? Or is it more just the process of creating and storytelling that you truly love? I think it's a good question. And my gut reaction is, Cause I also love videography and that's where like my whole storytelling thing came uh, to from and I still love it, but I think it's the process and mm-hmm. I've realized how much I enjoy connecting with other people um, just on an individual basis, but that in and of itself is not satisfactory. I want to create uh, platforms where I want to be a conduit for other people's stories. So I did that through serendipity stories. It's not my stories, but other people's stories. Gentity Treviso, that's another comment thread, right? Other people's stories and kind mm-hmm. of being a conduit. Maybe I need to change my book a little bit to do more <laughs> interviews of other couples because right now it's very centric in my relationship. Um, but that's what gives me joy. And five years ago, you know, I didn't have any hobbies if anyone asked me what my passions or hobbies were, I was like, what are those? Why, why would you need that? I'm working yeah. and I'm making money and paying my bills. Like, what, what, what is this thing? And um, it's, uh, I feel really grateful to have uh, found something that, that brings me joy and it. It, it. It's the process for sure. Okay. Uh, that's fantastic. I maybe, maybe I'll wrap up on this one as a final question, but so, you know, you're embarking on this, this digital detox. You've been experimenting with a lot of different creative mediums. When your sabbatical comes to an end, looking forward, looking into the crystal ball, do, like where would you want to be creatively? Where do you kind of see yourself taking your creative projects and maybe mapping them back to bringing back in some of the left side of your brain? Um, you know, looking into the future, like where do you see this whole year of experimentation coming to a close or does it end? So I think the old me would have answered this question 
like, oh, I will have connected all the dots and it will have presented into this beautiful mosaic that everybody understands. And of course I got to where I was and I will apply it to either because I'm exploring like, oh, the environmental sector, right? Because they could use a lot of storytelling to massage the message or even like social movements like Black Lives Matter. Like, mm -hmm. okay, I agree with defunding the police, but is that the right way to tell the story, <laughs> et cetera, right? Um, or uh, I'm also in interested in startups, VCs. So that's how I will apply it. But for me, I'm actually just willing to surrender to serendipity, which is really new to me. And just trust myself that I am making, I am where I'm supposed to be. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm connecting with the people and staying in touch with the people I want to be. Mm -hmm. And that it will lead to the right thing for me. I think in my past, I've had seven jobs in the last 10 years um, before I did the sabbatical and moving yeah. to Italy. Uh, because... I wasn't patient enough and I was looking for the next thing that gave me more money, a higher title, more prestigious, et cetera. And it was great. Um, and it's exactly what I needed to do to get it out of my system. <laughs> but um, I think in this phase of my life, I'm just uh, trusting that I'm going to build the skills I need. And if not, I will. And that whatever I'm supposed to do next, I'll know, I'll know through my gut, not because I created a pros and cons list. I don't know if I answered your question. No, that was, that was beautifully articulated. I love that. <laughs> that's a perfect, I, will, I think that's a perfect place to end because for so many of us, it's very easy to be like, this is the next thing, this is the next thing. And I love that your kind of approach to it is like, it's going to happen to me one way or another and I can't control it. And um, I think that's, that's beautiful. So. Call me in six months and then I'll let you yeah, know. Yeah, it might be totally yeah. different. We'll, we'll check in. We'll do a, a <laughs> I'm like, I'm episode. looking for a job. <laughs> <laughs> I hate writing. I hate podcasting. <laughs> Fuck stories. Stories yeah. are the worst. <laughs>this week's episode of destination different another one in the books what a treat what an absolute treat getting to talk to easel i mean that is just the perfect this this week was the perfect representation of the power of the internet and how it can bring people together like never before i mean i put out a tweet a friend of mine responded saying, hey, you should talk to this person. I reached out. She happens to live in Italy. She was born in Korea. She spent some time in Guam. She was raised in Boston, you know, right down the street from me. Uh, it just is, it's incredible. And I was so thankful to get the chance to talk to Isol and, and hear about all of her creative projects. Uh, I'm, I'm so, like this experiment that she is doing, I'm, I'm so envious of it and you know, we talked a little bit afterwards off camera about anybody can really do this. It's about you know setting the intention, setting the time to, to go and do it and, and making the space for it. And so maybe someday I'll have to uh, take a little sabbatical of sorts to Treviso, Italy and start writing a book or you know start a photo series. But again, huge thanks to Isla for, for uh, coming on the show. I will make sure that all of her 
information gets linked up in the description. Probably the best place that you can find everything that she's doing is on her website at eselmkim.com. That is Y-E-S-E-U-L-M-K-I-M.com. I'll make sure that gets linked up so you can check out everything that she is doing and be the first to purchase when her book hits the shelves. So that's really it. That's a wrap for this week. Uh, As I've mentioned the last couple weeks, I'm doing this experiment of sorts on Twitter where I'm trying to tweet 10 times a day. I started it in July and I just recently, obviously July is over now, I just recently released on my Twitter uh, some of the results from that whole experiment and, and what it did for my impression numbers and my profile visits and my follower count. Uh, and I think it's a, for me, it's been more of an exercise in just trying to be creative and to write every single day and just as Easel's doing right now, you know, flexing that creativity is like a muscle and flexing that creative muscle every day. It can only get better. So that's my experiment. If you'd like to check it out, go over to Twitter and follow me at rye3done. Just rye3done. This isn't a website. Rye3done. And you can keep up with everything that I'm experimenting with over there. That's a wrap for this week. We'll be back next week on Wednesday for the Big 40, the Big 4-0, episode 40 of Destination Different. I am as excited as could ever be for the next 40 episodes of this thing. Uh, but I hope I hope you keep coming along for the ride. I hope you're continuing to, to share and like and listen and, and getting as much value and as, as much excitement in, out of this as, as I am. That's a wrap. We'll talk to you again next week on another episode of Destination Different. Until then, stay weird. in love for just a couple hours I can't tell the difference between what's fake and what's been missing often I'm misunderstood so I'm looking for a better me this is your love song baby I hope that you know the way